the Othello Foursquare podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit othellofoursquare.org. If you just wanted to just come and sit and hear a good word and worship and feel good, no, 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 no. You're part of the solution to the problems out there. You are part of the solution. But hey, God, and, and you may be saying, well, you, you don't know, you don't know me, you don't know my, the things that disqualify me. No, no, no. He's qualified each and every one of us. And he's put in your, in your body, in your, what he's created you with is enough. It is enough. And you can't believe the lies of the enemy. So, I don't know that, I guess that was a rant, but guess what? Jesus wants to use you. Jesus wants to use you. And when we talk about all these things that are happening, they're great. They really are for the the building. But it goes way deeper than that. God is trying to stir up a body. And he's trying to say, hey, keep doing. Keep doing. Keep going after. Be the hands and feet. Knock down walls. Change the chair that someone's going to sit in. All right. God is so good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue what we talked about two weeks ago. Okay, so two weeks ago, we started this, this series on the life of David. And in the first week, we talked about defeating the giants in your life. And maybe you don't have a bunch of giants. Maybe you just have one giant that you feel like has been a constant thing that has kept you from stepping into the promises God has had for you. And But we talked about that these giants, just like Goliath fell, they too will fall in your life. If you understand that we are under covenant, that Jesus is on our side, that he has equipped us with what we need, we're not the underdog. We talked about that. I'm just going to restate some of this stuff, and I wrote it down to give us a recap if you weren't here because we're going to continue on this, on the life of David and what we can learn from, from his life. The first key to defeating the giant, to understand you're not the underdog. You're not. Everybody in the world thinks David was an underdog to Goliath. He never was. Goliath thought, I'm going to fight a, a hand-in-hand combat battle with whoever steps out. That's why he said, hey, come to me, anyone who wants to fight. But the whole time, David was equipped to fight from afar. So he was actually at an advantage, right, being a slinger. Okay, the other thing was he was, in, he was the one under covenant. Yeah. He multiple times, he said to, to, to Goliath, or no, not, a, not to Goliath, but to everyone around him who was fearful of what they saw with their eyes. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Meaning he's not under the covenant that I am. Okay, so when you face your battle and your giant, you got to look at it in the eyes and say, guess what? I'm under God's covenant. I'm under his authority and his protection. So that was the first thing. If we try to battle on the terms of the enemy, we are at a disadvantage. We battle on God's terms. Okay, God wants to remind us to view the problems in our lives, not through our own lens, but through his. So what he sees. And David, David had that. Okay, in order to defeat the giant... In our lives, you must put on the armor of God. We all remember in the story 
when David goes to the king at that time, Saul, and Saul tries to put on him the armor to go fight. Now, respectively, he didn't just deny it, but he put it on and he recognized this doesn't fit. And what God wants to remind us is that if someone has tried to put something on you to tell you you're not equipped to go defeat this, you have to take it off. Take it off and, and know that God has equipped us with what we need. Okay, and lastly, we must recognize our God purpose. I love this part. When David is standing in, in line, in the front lines, when he, his dad tells him, go take your brother's food, and then he meets his brothers, and he's there with all the warriors who can see Goliath coming out every single day. He looks at, after his brother says, get out of here, you little runt. Like, what are you doing here? You just want to see all this, this fighting going on. And he looks at his brother, David looks at his brother, and he says, is there not a cause? Like, then he looks at the other warriors and, and the same thing, because they're all f- fearful of this one man. And he's saying, is there not a cause for someone to stand up and fight? You th- but the problem is, is, is fear can paralyze you. Yeah. It really can. And when you're not looking through the lens of Jesus and how he sees the giant in your life, you don't recognize that God's already equipped you yeah. and that he's, he's calling you to actually step up and fight. So we have to know our God purpose. And we are destined, we're actually destined, we, and we were created to defeat the giant. Okay, so we got to call that out. Okay, so this week, it's one thing to face a giant we can see, right? It's another thing to be facing a giant, the giant that lies between our ears, the voices in our head, the lies of the enemy. And I'm talking about the giant of discouragement, the giant of disappointment. And I've been there, and I'm sure if you have a pulse, you've been disappointed a time or two in your life or discouraged. Discouraged after God has told, after God has already told you and set you apart, and you understand this, and you're walking in that, and then, and then discouragement comes and tries to take his place. And sometimes that's even bigger than the thing you can see. And so today I want to talk about that giant of discouragement. Discouragement, it comes from the root word courage. It's the opposite, because the prefix the prefix this means the opposite of. So discouragement is the opposite of courage. Get that. We have to get that in our head. When we get discouraged, oftentimes what happens in our lives is we lose the motive to continue pressing forward. So if the enemy can get you discouraged, he can stop you from continuing to move forward, which is what, he has, what he's tried to do over and over in the history. We read the Bible men and women who did great things, at one point in their lives, they faced discouragement. We often say the mountain seems too steep, right? It's too, it's too high, to, it's, it's too much to do. I can't face that. 
The enemy tries to come in and tell us, you're not good enough. You're too old to do that. The time was back then where you could have stepped into that calling. You don't have the resources to make that type of impact. But God says, no, no, no. I've equipped you with exactly what you need. In David's life, he, was, he experienced discouragement from the very beginning. And real quick, I want to I just share this because I feel like this is super important in our time and the day we're living in. But if you're feeling discouraged, comparison is, is gasoline to, dis, to, to your discouragement. It really is. You, if you're feeling down and you begin to look at someone else's life, or you go on social media and start looking at what other people are doing, guess what? That is just gasoline to the fire of discouragement. And we have to, we have to stop looking at other people's lives and comparing ourselves to them. Because what God wants to do in your life is totally different than what he's going to do in someone else's life. So we have to start raising each other up instead of comparing one another. Because that is a dangerous place to fall. And when I was doing this, this hit home for me because I've shared this story before, but when I got drafted uh, to play professional baseball, it was, a, it was supposed to be the most exciting time in my life. After I got picked, I got called. I spent the next day and a half kind of just moping around feeling discouraged because I thought I should have been chosen here. I should have been picked at a higher, sooner. I, sh- I should have, man, I, and then I started thinking, well, look at, look at these statistics compared to this guy who was drafted way uh, 10 rounds before me or even five rounds before me. And I just began feeling discouraged. And then the joy of the moment was taken away from me because I was comparing where I had got picked to where someone else has got picked. When God was saying, no, I've, I've actually put you in the exact spot that you need to be. And I didn't find that out until later when actually one of the teams I was playing for ended up being in our backyard about four and a half hours away. So I was able to come and live with my wife and my daughter. And at the time, if I would have got picked by any other team, I could have been somewhere else in the world. But God sees it all. And he has you right where you need to be. And especially during our, and that's in a moment of victory. That's in a moment where I should have been being thankful. The enemy can come and say, and creep up and discourage my mind and try to get me to stay in that place. And so this is real for me. And I'm sure if you're in here, there's been moments for you where you felt disappointed. First Samuel, First Samuel 16, let's, let's go there if you have your Bible, because this is where we, where we begin to see this unfold in the life of David. I'm going to be reading from verse 4 to verse 13. This is before David ever goes into battle, okay? First Samuel chapter 16, verse 4 through 13 it says, Samuel did what the Lord commanded, and came to Bethlehem. Samuel was a prophet. Okay, the prophets at that time, the Lord 
the Lord spoke to the prophet to go and, and, and uh, he was going to go anoint the next king of Israel. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, you come peaceably. And he said, peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. The prophet comes in. He's saying, hey, I've come. The people of the city meet him. Hey, have you come, have you come in peace? He says, yes, I've come. I want to have dinner with you guys. Okay? So he tells Jesse, who lived in that city, hey, get all your sons. We're going to have dinner. So when they came in, and, and Samuel, he had come to anoint the next king. Remember that. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed the, anoint, the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I, ha, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, So are you following me? Yeah. This dad, calling all his sons, they're at the dinner. Samuel, going to anoint the next king. He's saying, Because the Lord has sent him there. He said, One of Jesse's sons. So the father, Jesse, says, lines up all his sons, and he goes down the list. Surely, before he even comes, this guy's tall, looks big. He's going to be a king. He goes over him. Nope. The Lord doesn't look at the outward appearance. He sees the heart. That's what the scripture says. Then he goes down the line, and he begins to look at every single one of these guys. And he says, he's not here. What's the matter? Is he co he's confused. What, Lord, what did you send me here for, right? So let, let's... Let's keep reading. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest. But behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Okay, you, if you think your situation discouraging, check out this. This is the first moment that D David's situation was very discouraging. You have a prophet. When they, everyone, all the families invited to the dinner, but one. He's out there, and his father says, well, I do have one more, but he's tending the sheep. He wasn't invited to the dinner. God invites you to the party, though. Okay? He's inviting you to the party right now. Even when the enemy tries to lie and say, no, no, you can't be used like all these other people. You're just a good old shepherd boy. You're just a person who works here. You're not as talented. God's saying, I'm calling for you to come. 
do we see this? It's, it's like God's inviting us to the party. So if you feel like you're overlooked, let me tell you, God knows exactly where you are today. He sees you, and he's calling you. And he says, let's come and eat so I can anoint you for what I've called you to do. There is a cause. God has you in this season for a reason. You may feel like you're out on the hillside when God, the whole time, he's preparing you to come fight a battle that, that, that no one else will. Okay, it's in these seasons where we feel hidden, overlooked. God wants to develop an attitude in us. There's an attitude he wants to develop in us while we're waiting. We hear in all the Psalms, go read the Psalms, these, these, these poems, these things that were written so deep. This is David writing these. You can imagine him out in the field, tending his father's sheep, but being connected to the Father. God was doing something in him that would last throughout his entire reign as king and even before king. There was 20 years, background knowledge, 20 years from when he was anointed to when he actually stepped in as king. That's not a coincidence. Look, let's look at the Bible. For a guy named Joseph, it was 12 years from the time his brothers sold him to the time he was second in command over Egypt. For Moses, 40 years from the time he knew that he, was, that he had something to, to do with God's people to call him out of captivity till he actually went and did something. 40 years from when he knew to when he did. That ought to give somebody hope today that it's like, if God's told me something, okay, he's going to be gracious over me, even if I haven't stepped into it. God rejoices to see the work get started. Even the small beginnings, he's in them. Even the small beginnings. I want to read this to just encourage you. Ephesians 1.11, because this is the word of God and what he says about us. Ephesians 1.11 says, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. You've been chosen, and God has a, a purpose for your life. And now it's up to us to align our heart and mind with the one who had a plan for you and I, even before the foundations of the world. We must think like that. You must think like that. You're not a late-round draft pick. You're not, you're, we talked about this. You're right. Jesus has picked you first. He's picked you first, number one overall, and said, hey, I've predestined you. That's the, that's the heart and the mind that we have to, that's how we have to think. Our value is often found in places it shouldn't be found in. But what, is he, what does Samuel say in that verse? The Lord doesn't look at the outward appearance. Okay? Here's a few things I wrote down as things we often try to find our value in. 
Number one, I am what I do. I'm only valuable if what I do matters to those around me. David was a shepherd on the backside of a hill. Number two, I am what people say about me, right? My reputation or what they view me as. His closest, David's closest, the people closest to him who should have been lifting him up and encouraging him were the ones to tell him, hey, get out of here. You don't know nothing. His father didn't invite him to the dinner with the prophet who was coming to town to eat and celebrate and feast. Don't pay attention to what people are saying about you. Understand that God has predestined you, that he's called you for a purpose for such a time as this. And if you're in here listening, he's called you. And number three, I am what I have or what I look like. These are things people put their value in. I am what I have or what I look like. That was a combo. We could have we spent time on both of those. But how many of you know that in today's society, sometimes our, we put our appearance, we put a lot of value on our appearance. The kingdom works in, in the opposite, though. God doesn't, he looks internally into the heart of a man. And if you're in here, if we can humble ourselves before Jesus, if we can say, Lord, I, 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 I come humbly to you, use me. If he can, you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. I humble myself before you. Okay, so his situation was very discouraging from the very beginning with his father not inviting him, with things. He, he was at a disadvantage, but God reminded him, hey, I actually have a plan for you. Come, I'm going to anoint you. And number two, because it's not always just your situation. Sometimes it's the people around you are discouraging. And I want to talk about this in this situation. So now we're kind of going uh, through First through Samuel. We get into the later part of the book. And we see, I want to read this time. This, we're going to pick up. David has now killed the giant, okay? And people are praising him, shouting his name, saying, look at this guy. He kills, um, Saul kills thousands. David kills ten thousands. And Saul, who is actually, if you read in this, in, in this part where we're going to pick up, is now his, not, only, not only the guy who... David would play an instrument to help soothe him when he was feeling anxious. But now he's married his daughter. So this is his son-in-law. And Saul wants to kill him because he's jealous. So David's on the run, okay? He's, he's fleeing from Saul because he wants to kill him. And this is kind of where we pick up. 1 Samuel chapter 22 I want us to see this. During his, this was after one instance where David flees from Saul. Saul tries to kill him, and now he flees into this mountain. And this is where we pick up. So 1 Samuel 22. David left Gath and escaped, escaped to the cave at Adullam, 
When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. Okay, so David began to lead a group of men who were also feeling discouraged. Things started happening. Them, with him, with his 400 men, they were going and fighting battles. They were together. They had developed this. Think about it. You're fleeing by yourself, and all of a sudden, you got 400 people who are alongside of you and said, hey, we, we, we're feeling discouragement too. We're feeling down, but we want to join you. We want to partner with you. We, we understand there's, there's something on your life. David, okay, so... Then there comes a time, I want us to see this, because this is later on in 1 Samuel. The men had a home base called Ziklag. There was a place that all these 400 men, soon they gathered their families, their children, and they had a home base where they would come back to after battles. When, and now, this, now we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 30, 1 through 6. It says, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. So they were traveling back home. And now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it. They attacked their home and burned it. And had taken captive the woman and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. I want us to pause there, though. Just get the context. At the time, they had no idea that their, their, their family was not killed, right? We know now because we know the ending. But at the time, if the whole city is burned down and their children are gone, they don't know what's happening to their family. So when David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters had t- been taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured. Uh, verse 6. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking about stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord, his God. I want to read it in another translation. Verse 6 says, But David encouraged himself. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Think about that moment. Not only is, at the beginning we talked about his situation being discouraging, but now these band of brothers who he's going with, he's fighting battles with, they've trusted him. He's been their leader. They return home one day. Their entire city is burned down. They're, all their family had been taken. And now the people he, he was fighting with are wanting to kill him, to put the blame on him. The story never tells us wh- whether it was his fault or not. Okay, but that, that doesn't matter because we see a, what David's response was to this discouragement to this disappointment when there was a bunch of people who wanted to kill him and stone him 
And these were people he had gone to war with. He was walking hand in hand with. Their families knew each other. He says he encouraged, encouraged himself in the Lord. And then we, I encourage you, go, go read that. Because this will tell you what we need to do when disappointment hits, when we feel discouraged. But the, the discouragement, in the Greek it means to, to lose heart, to be disheartened. In the world we live in, the opportunity to be discouraged can come in so many different ways and can be so overwhelming. But we need to understand that the solution to this, to our discouragement, is Jesus. We have to, we have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. We have to, we have to get on our knees. We have, to tell, we have to understand that the battle belongs to him. 2 Corinthians 10.5. When we feel like the, like the enemy tries to creep in between our ears and tell us something that is not from God, it's 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, we demolish, Amen. demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. These thoughts in between our ears, whatever the enemy's trying to tell you, demolish it means get rid of it. Cast it down. Don't just, hey, get, get away from me. Don't come back. Destroy it. Okay? And it, because we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. If thoughts or, neg- or people, negative people are coming at you, trying to tear you down, they're not building you up. So we reject those negative thoughts and the things, and we get away from that. Some of us, and I'm not saying not to love everyone, not to be kind to everyone, but some, sometimes in our lives, we have to separate ourselves from people, from people who don't lift us up, who don't see the value in our lives like God sees. When discouragement comes, quitting is not an option for you. Encourage yourself in the Lord and don't be disheartened. John 16, I love this. It says, I have told you these things. This is Jesus. So that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Don't be disheartened, but take heart in Jesus who has overcome the world. You can't quit. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I, I, we try to communicate and like we're a close-knit family and group and our church body is close. But sometimes you just don't know what people are going through, their situation. But what I do know is every single one of our lives, there's a victory that is not only that God wants to use not only for us, but for those coming after you. But for those in your spirit or your sphere and your circle, those who you impact, 
you're going to be the catalyst in, which, in, in them stepping into the promised land. I was thinking about this because we're talking about discouragement. And you can't talk about, so the opposite of discouragement is courage. You can't talk about courage without talking about Joshua. Right? And you think about Joshua and Caleb when they went to, we know the story, and real quick, there was, there was, there was these people in the city, and, they, and they, these 12 spies come back, and they say, there's giants in there. And the, the, what do they say to them? They say, yeah, but they're going to be our bread. We're going to eat them. We're going to defeat them. Okay? They saw giants. After stepping in, and Joshua leads them into the promised land, it's 300, 300 plus years before the next giant shows up. And David now steps up to defeat this one. And this isn't the last giant. Go read. There's a bunch of giants who, who came and, and tried to come up against God's army. But the point is, is that if you're a man or you're a woman after God's heart, and you see how he sees the situation, when the giants come, you say, that's going to be my bread. I'm going to eat that. I'm going to destroy that. And we have to begin to walk in that authority, just like all these men and women throughout the Bible. I'm going to read. I'm just going to go down the, I'm just going to go down the road. Uh, let me see. Because I got some scripture right here that's going to encourage you, because this is what God, he said, he commands his people to take courage. He doesn't say, hey, you maybe should have a little courage because uh, you're going to need it. No, no. He said, I command you. Take courage. And Psalms 27, 13 to 14 says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. As a, if they're up there, you want to say them, just, just begin to prophesy this over your life. Psalms 31, 23 to 24. Love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all who hope in the Lord. 2 Chronicles 32, 7 through 8. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king Asriel in the vast army with him. For there is greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people gain confidence from what Hezekiah, the king of Judah, said. Okay, let's stop on that one because, like we said, there's people who you have influence over who are looking to you as an authoritative figure in their life. And that could be even in your job. That can be at home. That can be within your friend circle. You're just the guy people look to. What are we going to do? When people look at you, are you going to be strong and courageous because you know that God has appointed you for such a time as this? We have to take courage and fight. And if you want to look at these other ones, um, Deuteronomy 31, 6 through 8. I'm not going to read that one. So good, though. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the, lo the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, In the presence of all of Israel, be strong and courageous. For you must go 
with this people in the land of the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. For the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. What was Moses telling him even here? Moses was, had led these people for years and years. And now he's saying, hey, I'm about to go. God already told me I'm not going to inherit the promised land. But you, be strong and courageous because you're going to lead them in there. And, and what a pressure for this, for this young man, Joshua, to now have this, the weight of entering into the promised land on his shoulders. But God uses Moses to say, be strong and courageous. Okay? And if that wasn't enough, in Joshua 1, 6 through 9, the Lord himself says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to the ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be, be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you everywhere you go. So if God's not trying to tell us today to be strong and courageous, then uh, I'll read it again so you can hear it. But the key, the key to remember to remembering, the key to overcoming discouragement is remembering God's promises and his steadfast love and care for us. Joshua had to go. He had to go. David had to go. Because there was, and specifically Joshua's case, these people were leaning on him to, to take him into the promised land. In David's case, and we, what we just talked about in Ziklag, their families had been taken. Okay? And I want to just say this. God has called some of us to be bold, to stand up, to be, to, and right now he's saying you need to encourage yourself, encourage yourself in the Lord so that you have the courage to run after your family. Come on. Your family. The, you, we all know God wants to save those who are in our lives. Yeah. Specifically, there's, there's people, there, David and his men had lost their children, their wives. And if he did not get up from weeping and encourage himself in the Lord, they may have never went out to find them. And the, and, and the word of God says, they recovered all that was lost. They recovered all that was lost. Not some, all. And God wants to, to, some, to some of us here at this place, he wants to recover all that was lost for time that you think that was lost. And that's the power within it when we give it over to him and we turn it over to Jesus. So, I'm going to close right here. I'm just going to kind of wrap it up because we're going to keep talking about the life of David. But if, if you ever feel discouraged, 
No, that's a warning light that you fix your, that your eyes are beginning to drift away from the purpose and calling that God has. So when discouragement comes, begin to, whatever promises you have written down, you have, God has spoken to you, read them, meditate on the word of God, allow him to begin to, to, to speak to your spirit so that you can align yourself back on track so that discouragement does not have the final word. All right, let's stand. This is the last, I'm just going to keep going with the Lord. I put on my heart to share because I feel like we're in it. We can't take our foot off the gas pedal. The world needs believers to stand up, to fight. We need to understand there is a cause. When I, when I think that I'm just not going to go out and fight, I'm just not going to respond to what God is telling me to do, it doesn't just affect me. It does not just affect me. We have to understand there's too much at stake not to stand up and be courageous. The Lord is telling us, like he told Joshua multiple times, be strong and courageous. He used Moses to tell him. And then he said, again, be very strong and courageous. Stand up because I have a plan for you. I need you to come through with this. I need you to stand up. I need you to know there's a cause. The Lord wants to encourage us today. It's time to go. And I I know Kenzie always tells me, hey, you start preaching, you start saying, like, using all these fighting and battle and, like, you get all... but that's how I feel like he wants his army to stand up. And the gifts he's given each and every one of us, he's saying, it's time to activate it. It's time to go. It's time to step into the promises God has for you. And if you're in here and you're saying, I just need a little help. I just need a little push. Just like those 400 men were relying on David. Guess what? We all face discouragement. But something David learned in the hillside was I have a God Almighty who's by my side who's actually, who strengthens me and who is my source of strength. And so there's people who want to walk alongside you and say, let's go. Let's go. We've all been there. We've all been been discontent, disheartened. But let's take courage. Let's take, let's encourage ourselves in the Lord. God, uh, he, he can do it by himself. But he seldom does. He, he loves to use people like you and me to, bring, to, to, to enter us into the promised land. I don't know what your promised land is. I don't know what God has promised you. I don't know what giant you've been facing. But discouragement has to bow at the name of Jesus. Has to flee. Has to go. Disappointment has to go. So if you, if you have something you're feeling just, man, this is heavy on my heart. I feel discouraged. I feel disappointed with this circumstance in my life. I just need a fresh wind, a holy anointing. So come, Lord. We, we want to pray with you. There's people who, up here who want to pray with you. And I, I just encourage you, open up the word. Just like we read today, the word of God reveals God's, his purpose and plan for your life. And, the tr- and he, his word is true. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So let me just pray for us. And then we're gonna we're gonna just we're gonna go out and be strong and courageous. Amen? Amen. All right. Thank you, Jesus, for this wonderful time that you
you've allowed us to come and meet together as, as, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And God, I just pray that today that you would begin to uh, strengthen us, strengthen our hearts and minds, that we would take courage, that we would stay steadfast, that we would know that you are our source of strength. And God, when discouragement comes and tries to creep into our lives, we would, we, we would, we would come back with the word of God and say that that has no authority over us. And that you have, we would know that you have a plan and a purpose for our life. So God, I thank you for what you're doing in this church and in this body. That Lord, you're raising up uh, a bunch of uh, Joshua and Caleb's, Esther's, uh, David's, Joseph's, people who are willing to say, guess what? I'm, I'm gonna go and trust God with all that I have. So I thank you, Lord, for, for bringing um, peace into the lives of everyone here. Like in their moments of distress, they would know that they can come to you and encourage themselves in the Lord. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to partner with OFC, you can give on our website, othellofoursquare.org. Have a blessed day. We'll see you next time.